investi besties, investing can sometimes seem pretty overwhelming, right? With all the news about inflation, interest rates, and just how everything seems so much less affordable nowadays. It just seems more frustrating when it comes to building that wealth nest. That's why our friends at Moby have your back. Moby is this incredible new app built by a team of former Morgan Stanley investors that are making financial education as simple as browsing a social feed. Moby will create for you a jargon-free update on what's happening in the financial markets every day of the week while giving you hand-picked stocks that cater to how you want to be investing. The best part, the team has consistently beaten the S&P 500 by over 11.9% for the past four years. A very important topic for our generation nowadays is how to get wealthy in an economy broken for young people. The most simple, understandable way for anybody, young or old, to start building their wealth for themselves starts with building confidence in how you invest, and so if you're ready to build your confidence in your investing, you can earn more money with Moby while spending less time, energy, and money on doing so. Join over 5 million people investing smarter, happier, and safer with Moby, the jargon-free app on where you should be investing and what companies you should be considering for your portfolio. Sign up for Moby Premium today by using the GTI code in the episode description box, and you can get a full year of Moby Premium for just $8.25 a month. Remember, just click on the link in the description to get started today. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sonia. How's your week been? My week's been good. You know, one of my main stresses of each week when we come to recording is to figure out, can I share an exciting story with our listeners? And the thing is, is that I can't this week. Why? It's been so mundane. Well, we love mundane. Like, tell us what you did. I feel like if I talk about a four walk one more time, people are going to stop listening to us altogether. They're like, Sonia, shut the up. We get it. You like fall. You like walking. That's all I have to say. <laughs> about my life right now. <laughs> in your defense, I was driving into the studio today being like, I wonder if Sonia will talk about autumn today. Take a shot every time Sonia talks about autumn or walking or vitamin D or journaling. I mean, that's just the brand, right? At this point, it's like your personal, like who you are in this moment, in the season, yeah. if you may. The season. Like I'm wearing a really striped autumnal top and I feel good. Autumnal? Is that a word? I mean, I've never heard it. Might be. Have you seen that TikTok? Like every time I go outside, I think of this TikTok. That's how big of a hold this TikTok has on me. But it's this random man and he points to like all these trees and the leaves are falling and they're really pretty because it's fall. And he's like, look, autumnal. You really had to be there, you know. <laughs> it's funny. That's so crazy. It's <laughs> Humor. In terms of my week, I have just been on a like gut journey where I'm like, I just woke up one day and I was like, Simran, you really need to sort out this bloating problem that you keep having because it has been a year now where I eat anything or I just have water and my stomach's like, bloop, 
And so I did a lot of research. I looked at a lot of journals. One thing about my background is before I came into finance, I was in healthcare and they really drill into you like scientific research. And I just was like down this rabbit hole of like, okay, but what probiotic actually works? Like what sort of gut health like drink actually does the thing and what should I be looking for? And I've just, I went to chemist warehouse. I like bought everything that I needed to. And it's only been three days, but I feel like I'm seeing an improvement. What'd you get? Like, well, I got like prebiotics and probiotics and like a gut health thing that like helps line your stomach a little bit more comfortably because it bloats up because of like inflammation and you're, you need more fiber. The other thing that I'm starting to do is like wellness, like relaxing kind of stuff because it can really affect your stress and energy levels. And so I've been meditating. I was so close to buying an app that was like gut hypnotherapy. And I was like, oh my God. slow down. Like, let's just take one step back. That was like a hundred dollars. And I was like, let's just, let's just take it one step at a time. Yeah. I think gut health is so interesting because I feel like wellness and health, there's like a lot of trends and like keywords that come up. Like people obsess over the words like gut health for a few months. And then a few months later, it's something else like insulin resistance or like cortisol or, you know, like it just is interesting. Are you talking about TikTok trends? No, I just think in general. Okay. Well, my gut is not a trend. This has been a problem for like years and I'm trying to sort it out. <laughs> I just think the term gut health, like everyone on social media not just tiktok they're like Mm -hmm. eating sea moss what is sea moss in the morning for gut health and bloating and where did you see that on tiktok why do you hate tiktok so much (laughs) i don't i just feel like you're on it too much yeah i am but anyways i was trying to contribute to your gut health conversation now i'm getting attacked by my social media habits (laughs) sounds like us Before we get into the show, a huge thank you to HSBC for powering this week's episode. 9 in 10 women are ready to grow their wealth in the next 12 months, yet only 33% are confident in their ability to make investment decisions. We are so proud to be partnering with HSBC as they pave the way for financial well-being and diversity, which aligns with our mission of empowering women. An integral part of HSBC's mission is to empower and support each customer with their unique wealth needs, whenever and wherever they are. So whether you're at the very beginning of your wealth creation phase and taking your first steps in investing, or you're starting to think about passing your wealth and values to the next generation, HSBC can connect you to global opportunities at every stage of your wealth journey. Jump into the link in the description to find out more. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sim, what are we talking about today? (laughs) Hey, Sonia, today we are talking about how Airbnbs have been impacting the property market around the world. Now, Airbnb vacation rentals have been around for a while, but they've become a lot more popular very recently. Now, there's been a growing demand for vacation rentals as investments, and with the whole pandemic and now vacation booms that were happening in 2021, we are starting to see growth like nothing before. In 2020 itself, vacation home purchases exceeded the growth of existing home sales by 44% from the year before, 
And why are people buying out Airbnbs? Well, one thing that's kind of leading them towards it is that you get a much higher yield on your investment when you buy an Airbnb versus if you buy a rental property to rent out to someone. So let's say you've got a $500,000 home. If you rented out that home to a family, you might get maybe $500 a week or $2,000 a month, depending on the area, but you might get $600 or $700 a week if it was an Airbnb. So people are starting to realize that, you know, they might get a little bit more bang for their buck and they're turning homes into Airbnbs, but that's not always a good thing. And we want to discuss exactly why. I feel like I'm super excited for this episode because I think just in general, people are noticing how Airbnbs are affecting different parts of communities and whether you are trying to purchase a home, whether you're renting, whether you're just trying to exist, whether you're traveling, it's amazing how like short-term rentals and Airbnb have made an impact in so many different areas of like life without us realizing it because when it first came into play or when it first came into the market, it was like this great alternative to hotels and motels and it was like a cheaper alternative and you could like live like a local and now now look at look at what they're doing who would have thought it's also really interesting that the pricing around airbnbs has gotten so astronomical Mm. like you even see it on i guess social media but we're starting to see where like the airbnb will be what like a hundred dollars a night and then you add on like tax and this fee and like admin fee and the cleaning fee and like disruption fee and suddenly it's like 100 a night airbnb starts looking like 180 dollars a night and you almost like who is in charge of all of this why is it being so like anti like what it started off as because you're absolutely right it really was meant to be branded as like mum and dad have a spare home or they're going away for the weekend let's just rent out our cute little place and you can experience all these like homes in different parts of the world that would be a different experience to having a hotel or a motel. I feel like you're completely right. If I go on Airbnb and then I look at like booking.com with like hotels and motels, it is going to be so much more expensive to get an Airbnb. Plus with hotels and with motels, I think like they provide services. So they clean your room every day. They provide room service and all these amenities and stuff. So I feel like we've just flipped the times are changing. We really have. Like when Sonia and I went to the States earlier in March and then again later this year, we went into hotels every single time when we were together just because the Airbnbs were so much more expensive. Like we mm-hmm. were looking in LA, the Airbnbs were tiny for what you were paying for. And we were like, yeah, we'd rather stay in a hotel. And one thing about Sonia is she loves like a good meal from room service and I have absolutely fallen for it too now like it just makes me feel like I'm really on holiday and you just don't get that with an Airbnb but that's not factual information that's a true sign of wealth is when you can go into a hotel room order some room service watch some crappy tv that's on like for us in New York when I was sick it was the golden girls what an amazing feeling you know besides being sick but you know you've really converted me 
Thank you. So one thing that people have started to work out is that we, again, used to think that Airbnbs were run primarily by the everyday person who maybe had like a spare rental home. And I just want to make it clear that if that's the case, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like if you have a house that's like your holiday home and it does not get used for 90% of the year, it is so worth putting that on Airbnb and making some extra cash and providing more options for accommodation for other people, especially if you're in a town that is a holiday town or where people tend to go. I think that's useful. Mm. But a study recently found that most of the revenue from Airbnbs is actually going to a small pool of stakeholders. So according to an Airbnb watchdog organization called Inside Airbnb, which I think is so funny, like imagine just like a girls that invest watchdog, just like someone that was like, we are going to specifically focus on your business and watch what you're doing. So Inside Airbnb found that one quarter of the hosts actually ran two thirds of the listings. And so you've started to get more larger organizations, so like holding companies that own a lot of property, they will own these Airbnbs and rent them out. Or someone will give their home to a organization that manages it. So like a property management company that is specifically for Airbnbs and they will rent it out They obviously take a cut of it, so it starts to get a little bit more pricey. And that's one of my main concerns, that it's not like mom and pop sort of businesses anymore. It's these larger organizations that almost have like a monopoly on it. Yeah, I think it's super interesting because I feel like that's the issue with most things. It's when it tips over to that point. Will we ever have a thing where we can just be fully balanced or does it need to be tipped over and then it regains balance? Do you know what I mean? Are you asking if capitalism has to ruin everything? <laughs> sound like such a mum. <laughs> it is disappointing. Like I feel like when it started and when it became very popular, it was like, this is such a great idea. And there is a reason why it took off because there was such a need for these different styles of accommodation And just, I just, it's ruined. I don't enjoy going on Airbnb anymore. Like Sonia said, we rather would just go on like booking.com and get a hotel that is infinitely cheaper and I guess now has nicer amenities. Yeah. And not even from a travel perspective, there are so many impacts on locals around the Airbnbs and the communities that these Airbnbs exist in. So The Airbnb effect is the name for the impact of short-term rentals on housing and there's a lot of similarities that I found between the Airbnb effect and gentrification. So for those of you who don't know, gentrification is the process where you have poorer urban areas and they're being dramatically changed by wealthier people moving in and Yes, that improves housing and attracts new businesses. However, the issue with gentrification is that it displaces like the current people in those neighborhoods and they make the cost of living go up and then they have to move. As Sim said, like obviously it has contributed to housing shortages across the cities and, you know, it is drinking up the supply of homes for sale. But 
you're not out of the loop if you're renting because if you're renting this impacts you too Mm. in 2020 there was a study that was done on the effect of home sharing on house prices and rents and the entire paper was filled with evidence from airbnb we can link the paper or the study in the show notes because it's super interesting to read through and again this came out in 2020 but it found that short-term rentals have increased rent by a hundred and five percent in america since 2017 so this is between 2017 and 2020 which is huge i think my experience with it i was recently looking for apartments in toronto and there were buildings that people would tell me and my friend who were looking to completely avoid because the apartments in those buildings were just filled with airbnbs and i was like that's interesting like why does that matter And it's because if you're surrounded by Airbnbs and you've bought a home or you're going to stay in that neighborhood or that apartment complex long term, you don't know who your neighbors are. So there's like an element of safety at play there in terms of, damn, there's like new people coming in every month or every few weeks or every few months. And it doesn't provide the greatest, I guess, neighborhood feeling for people who are there for long term or people have bought these houses. And I know Airbnb hosts, they have their rules and regulations, but to be honest, like parties and noise and gatherings, they're still going to happen no matter what, especially if you're like on holiday, especially if you're traveling with like a group of people and that disrupts like the community around you as well. Does that make sense? The thing with the parties and the noise as well, if you are listening in and you're like, Sim, like through and through, deep in my heart, I am a capitalist. First of all, that is okay. We do not judge here. If you are listening in just to make money and that is all you care about, this Airbnb situation impacts you negatively as well. Because yes, rents go up and it's harder to get rentals, but house prices drop when there are more Airbnbs in a certain neighborhood. And so a study was done recently, which was really, really surprising because you would have thought that the more houses that are, you know, bought out in your area means that house prices are going up and more people are getting, you know, pushed out of the market. That kind of starts to happen initially. But what ends up happening long term is every time another house gets turned into an Airbnb, that area or that street starts to become undesirable for the exact same Mm -hmm. ways that it affects our renters. And no one wants to buy a family home that's next to a house where, like Sonia said, people are coming in and out and you don't know what's going on. It is negatively impacting every single person if it gets out of control. One Airbnb in a street, I'm not mad. Five in a row, I just would not buy a house there. Yeah, if every second apartment or every third apartment in your complex is an Airbnb, that's an issue. Like you're going to have problems like with the tenants, with just like different people coming in and out, like even the concierge or like security not really being able to place people or build habits with people in terms of like new people coming in so it is a safety issue as well and all of this was brought to my attention just from apartment hunting in Toronto which is crazy like I feel like not that I was sheltered in New Zealand but I was only seeing it from a travel perspective and the negative impacts now that Airbnb is so expensive and you have to do most of the 
most of the work when you're in an Airbnb compared to a hotel. But it's amazing how that perspective just makes you think of things deeper, you know? You're like, wow, this impacts me now. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? Yeah, I was like in my little bubble, like I'm renting. This doesn't apply to me. And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It applies to everyone. (laughs) This is my problem. This is your problem. This is everyone's problem. It's everyone's problem. problem. I cannot stress this enough. You should care about this. (laughs) That would be me as a politician, though. You would do so well as a politician. Oh, my goodness. The world is not ready for the sass. Now, I really want to speak about the other main point that comes with Airbnbs, in my opinion, which I think maybe, Sonia, you might disagree with me on this, but I don't think Airbnb itself is a bad company. And I don't think the problem in itself is that people are buying up all these homes or apartments and converting them into Airbnbs. What this tells me and what Airbnb have said themselves in retaliation to this, where they said countless studies and experts have identified the need to prioritize more housing construction as a key factor to addressing housing affordability issues. The majority of hosts on Airbnb today share just one home, and the time since some of these studies have been published, some cities have enacted rules to regulate short-term rentals and protect affordable housing. Now, of course, they're going to say that because this is coming from them and they don't want to come across and you know lose customers but this is my problem right now we're blaming airbnb but i think the issue is the government's not building enough housing for the populations that we have new zealand specifically and also a bit of toronto as well which is funny because that's why you're also experiencing it these cities and New Zealand as a whole, are not known to build up. They're known to build out. And so cities that are like against high density and like, no, we want to build out and like have a little bit of land, like you're just going to run into these problems anyway. And at what point do we say, oh my goodness, Airbnb owners, stop buying apartments, like think of the ethical concerns. And when are we going to start also putting a bit of pressure on our governments and say, you literally need to buy more housing for us and like help make this more affordable and build more housing because these like property owners are ruining it for us. Mm. Do you know what's super crazy? Do you agree with me? I agree with you. Oh, tell me. Tell us everything. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do agree with you. I think it's super easy to just blame Airbnb as a company rather than looking deeper in terms of what the government is doing and what they need to do. And I think that overall, there are some positives to Airbnb and people still see that. And I think overall, they just need to be regulated a little bit more and more strictly because you have all these interviews at the moment happening in certain parts of Europe where Airbnbs have completely taken over, like Barcelona, like Portugal, where they're interviewing locals and they can't move out of like their parents' homes or like sharing with their siblings because rent has gone up so high. But also landlords are kicking tenants out because they realize they could get more money with Airbnbs. But I feel like the government should be doing more in terms of like tenant protection. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not Airbnb's fault that the landlords are doing that. I think it's like this very delicate balance of like 
absolutely people should be accountable to do the right thing but if that's the only regulation or the only red tape like people's ethical and moral beliefs like sure there's lots of great people that would be like you know what fair enough i won't make another airbnb but there's plenty of people that will go well that's not my problem like that's just the game you got to play the game and they'll just continue to do it you absolutely just need like laws we need laws people (laughs) maybe we should both get into politics I think we would be great. The thing is, is that I think in an ideal world, we would hope that people will use their common sense. People would use empathy. People would use kindness to do things in terms of like kicking someone out of your apartment and turning it into an Airbnb, at least that give them like a few months to do that, not like a two week notice. The thing is, is that I think people believe in humanity a little bit too much sometimes. Like there is a reason why we have rules and regulations because humans are very selfish. At the end of the day, I don't think that these people are outright trying to be malicious and trying to like have these negative impacts on people because I'd like to believe that they, you know, people don't do that. At the end of the day, they're also thinking about them, their families, their generational wealth, their wealth journey, and they're kind of working in an unethical way like to us, but also they're permitted to do what they're doing because the government's not regulating it, you know? That's so true. I mean, this is my like hot take. We know that killing people is absolutely wrong right and we would not do it i don't think you or i would kill anyone even if it was lawful but we still have laws and regulations to say hey buddy if you do that there's going to be some consequences it should be the exact same with housing yeah there needs to be consequences of the things that people are doing otherwise people are still going to do it You know, this is exactly why I believe that the SEC made an example of Kim K that we talked about a few episodes ago. Like they need to make an example of people so that, you know, other influencers, other celebrities, other people will say, oh my gosh, this person's actually being punished. Let me rethink about what I might do or what I might take on in the future to align myself with the government rules and regulations. Is it right 100% of the time? Probably not. In this case, there just needs to be a little bit more regulation. So what I'm hearing is that we need regulation to make sure that we are still having Airbnbs and people can still make their money and still make use of those holiday homes or that like one Airbnb that they have that's helping them generate generational wealth. But we need a greater step in from our governments to say, well, okay, you cannot have Airbnbs in this area because this is the area where there's lots of schools and families and that's just going to be really disruptive or X, Y, Z. I also wanted to share a little treat with you. I have the most embarrassing Airbnb story from last week and I'm just cringing at what I've done because this whole conversation has just reminded me of it. So Sonia, I was booking an Airbnb with my friends and The guy was like, no, sorry, you can't have it. And I was like, what? I've been rejected. Like, I've never been rejected from an Airbnb before. And I was like, why? Like, I've provided everyone's names. Sure, it's a kind of a big group. There's like seven or eight of us, but we're all, you know, young professionals. And I've specified what everyone does. And we've never had problems before. And he was like, well, back in 2018, you, like, hit your car into someone's garage in an Airbnb and they left a bad review and it's on your profile. And I was like, okay, but that was me by myself. Like that wasn't a party. That was a one person problem. 
and every other review has been great with all these groups of people. And he was like, no, sorry. And I was like, okay, anyway. And so my friend then goes, well, let me try, books the exact same Airbnb, books it with the exact same names. And the Airbnb person is like, nice try, Simran. And I'm like, great, wonderful. This is fantastic. This is on my record for the rest of my life. I have so much secondhand embarrassment right now. Why? Here's the thing with me. If someone says no to me, that's it. I'm not going back to try. I'm not going back to like, especially if you don't want me (laughs) in your house, I'm not going to respond to you. I'm going to be like, thank you so much for your time. Bye. And try find another place. Like what would possess you to to do these things? Well, the thing is, it was a really nice place. And his reasoning was, oh, you don't have good reviews of group events. But I was like, oh, no, like that was an event by myself. All my group reviews are really positive. X, Y, Z, like all the last three reviews were like in big groups and everyone was really happy. So if his reasoning for saying no to me comes from a false part of his imagination, then I just need to correct that. I get that. No, I get it. It's a matter of pride and principle as well. But also to be clear, you fixed your mistake. Like you fixed like their car or whatever, right? It was my car. So my car, when I was leaving, like scratched the garage on the way out and I was in the wrong, but yeah, like we fixed it. I like reached out and I was like, I'm so sorry. She didn't like reach out to me and say it happened. She told me by leaving a negative review. So even though it was fixed, like you can't retract that review. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look, that's unfair. Anyway, deregulate Airbnb. Am I right? If only for Simran's pride. (laughs) If only for my secondhand embarrassment. I don't want to see that app again. I want it to go away. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think I'll be opening up the Airbnb app for quite some time just from the stories that I've been hearing about locals, just talking about the impacts that it has on them and what you can do and how you can, I guess, travel ethically moving forward. Like I am going to be traveling through South America soon. And I think something that my friends and I are entertaining, I just like house stays and house sits where you do a little bit of work for the people that own the homes, but you're also staying at the place of a local who's paying their mortgage and their taxes and not an Airbnb, but also some hotels and motels in these areas. It is probably the most ethical way to go about things just because you're supporting their business and you'll be supporting businesses around them. And that's a dedicated place where they've carved out for tourists to stay, if that makes sense. I think with regulation and with what the solution is, I think we need to do a better job of listening to the locals themselves and listening to the community and what will help them. Because even if you take away Airbnb, most of these issues are still going to be there in terms of unaffordable housing, in terms of living costs rising and like interest rates, blah, 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 all those things. Like Taking away Airbnb doesn't fix the issues, but I think there has to be a medium where you can get a conversation going with locals, with the government, with communities. It's just no one's listening to the communities. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And if you are someone and for some reason you are in a situation where you're like, look, I do kind of want to get an Airbnb for like whatever reason, you might be traveling alone and you might not feel comfortable 
The one ethical tip that I use is look at who the profile is for that Airbnb and it's going to help you work out is this owned by a single person or is it a property management company? Mm. And often property management companies are going to be people that run a few Airbnbs or the home is specifically just for the Airbnb, whereas own homes usually will state, you know, we live here, but we're out for the summer. Or you can ask them and reach out and go, hey, like, is this a home that you usually reside in? Or is this always an Airbnb? And people are always happy to be honest. So there's a few ways of going about it. You don't have to completely, you know, shut it down if it's not something that you can do. But I love that we're starting to become a little bit more thoughtful of where we're putting our money, not just in shares, but also in the whole world of real estate. So I feel like this is probably a good place to wrap up. Now, if you have enjoyed this episode, if this is something that resonates with you and you want to have a chat with your friends about this, definitely put this up on your Instagram story. Tag us. It is the best way to help get our podcast out there. Thank you so much for listening. And now the disclaimer. Before we go, thank you again to HSBC for not only powering this episode, but for the rest of the season. Don't forget to check out the link in the description to find out more. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.